All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of Remake Rewind. This is our Fourth uh, of July slash uh, Black Widows coming out episode. And you know that we just trying to be excited for Fourth of July, so we figured we'd watch, you know, something semi patriotic, and we thought of Captain America, and it just happens to be perfect because Black Widow comes out later this week as well. So perfect timing. Uh, I'm Mike, as always. With me, I've got my buddy and co-host Alex. What's up, man? Hey, yeah, I'm still Alex. S- still here. Still doing it. Still doing it. Do you have a good Fourth of July? You do anything? I did have a good Fourth of July. Um, had a couple drinks. Went up to the uh, roof, watched fireworks. We went up your way to the north side of Hwood and went oh, to nice. a vegan exchange, uh, which is like a it's like a, a little street fair. And they have all these different like food trucks that come out. And we oh, got cool. dinner from like three different places. It was awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. There are a lot of uh, really great farmer's markets with food trucks and stuff in, in North Hollywood. A couple days a week, like Tuesdays and Sundays, we'll yeah. hit the farmer's markets and food truck places. And then also by the park on Thursdays, there's normally a off of Tahunga and Magnolia. There's normally like food trucks there on Thursdays, too. So we're pretty lucky where we are to have a, a variety of food throughout the week. It's it's great because we have so many options, but it's also awful because we spend so much money on on food that we don't need to be spending. But it's it's yeah. pretty great. I did uh, another fun thing for TikTok. I have a oh, quick yeah? story. Yeah, yeah. So. I've uh, I've been exploring TikTok a little bit, and um, yesterday we saw a video, or I saw a video. Um, have you seen the one of like the the military guy, and he's like the only person that can help me when I'm something or other. And he's like against a mirror and he goes to like hit the mirror, his like image of himself. And then like a woman appears and like wraps him up in her arms and legs no, and hugs him. No idea what you're talking about. Yeah. She like wraps him up in the arms and legs and he's like, she's the only thing that can, you know, settle my mind or whatever, but it's his sister. And it's okay. like, a, it's a very romantic embrace. So people have been roasting that dude and then making their own versions of that. And yeah. I saw one yesterday where it was like a guy, uh, a cop dressed up like in his SWAT uniform, oh. and and it was like people demonize uh, wanting to quit quit the force and turn in the badge because people are uh, demonizing police officers in the media. And then he goes to punch the thing, and his girlfriend hugs him, and whatever. And um, Scarlett and I both did like a stitch where you just reply to the previous video, and we just give him a thumbs up. We're like, yeah, dude, do it. <laughs> sounds sounds good. That's a good plan. And well, last um, week the police almost blew up a neighborhood. And I so, posted it. Him. Yeah, fuck them. I posted it without really thinking anything of it. And um, a couple hours later, it started to like go viralish. Oh like, shit! And like I was getting called a cuck. You know why do they always look the same? They've got he's got <laughs> pink hair. He couldn't defend himself. Some guy said, "What what are you gonna do when the, someone commits a hate crime on you?" I guess because I'm gay, even though I'm in the picture with my girlfriend. Um, and I think that's also a threat. I think he's threatening me. Um, and also, I don't think the cops yeah. would do anything if a hate crime was committed against me. And that's kind of the point, right? That's the thing that it's it's always weird that with like the macho kind of people that like throwing the word gay or is like the worst possible thing. Like when I worked in um, retail, I can't tell you how many, I can't tell you how many like roid ragey, angry customers who like, I refuse to return like a cracked TV that they clearly mounted and dropped or whatever, where they would just be like, well, you're a, and then they would throw like the slur (laughs) for for a gay man and it's like it's it's weird how many people think that's like the worst thing you can be and they throw it at you like it's an insult like yeah come on man and the uh, the funniest thing sorry the funniest thing about that to me is that uh they're calling me you know gay and a cuck and this and that for posting this video where i literally am just encouraging to a guy to do a thing that he said he wanted to do and they're defending this guy who set up his little camera with his little tripod and got himself into position and thought about his acting choices and did a thing and then had to do a separate scene and called his girlfriend in and said, honey, you're going to sit on the table. I want you to look, you know, like you're consoling me. I'm going to go here. And he went back and he pushed record on the camera and he went back over to his girlfriend or his sister, whoever it was, and did the thing. And then he edited it on his little TikTok app. And then he put in the hashtags. Like, right. why am I the the silly one in this scenario? 
go to yeah, work do your do your job if that's what you want to do it's with all these things and you know obviously this isn't what our podcast is about but it's it's crazy how the people who are most vocal about things are the ones most guilty of certain things i think they dust protest too much exactly like Doth. All the all the people who are like saying respect the flag, respect the flag, and then they come up with the uh, the Blue Lives Matter flag, yeah, which is against the flag code. You're manipulating on the American flag. It's like, come on, like how is what you're doing okay? But you know, it's it's hard to be patriotic sometimes. And I I'm think, patriotic. Check this shit out. Look at that. Woo. Uh, he's showing some some red, white, and blue flag boxers but i think and i think steve rogers which uh, I, we didn't actually announce what we're doing we're going to be talking about captain america um the 1979 one uh, and then the uh, of course the 2011 first avengers uh but i think steve rogers would agree with what i'm going to say i think too many people right now can confuse patriotism and nationalism and there are too many people out there who are like, well, if you don't like it, you can leave. Or if you don't like it, you know, there's the door or whatever. And just think that we need to accept the country for the way it is if we're being patriotic. But I'm of the the idea that being a patriot means you love your country, but you want it to be yeah. the absolute best. Yeah. And you recognize that there's stuff that's wrong with it. Yeah. And we I want wanna, to move forward. I want so, to take care and of I think the people Steve Rogers, that are in this country. Yeah. I think Steve Rogers would agree. And, I agree. uh, yeah, we're going to get into this. We did cover Captain America just before Endgame a few years back. Uh, we did the 1990 version and then the uh, the 2011 version. This time we're going back to the original one, the 1979 one. Which, which I didn't I, know existed. I thought we were watching the 1991 until it came up on my screen. Well, so when we went to go watch, after watching this, I was like waiting for a certain scene that never came because this movie had a sequel that came out the exact same year. So it had Captain America and Captain America 2. Is it called? Too soon. I thought it was called The Dance of Death or something. No, it's, like, it's called Dead Too Soon, and it came out the exact same year. So I remember when I was we were doing this a couple of years back, like seeing this footage of like the, the shield throw, and it just went on forever, like out in the sky and everything. And I was waiting for that footage, and it never came up. And it's because <laughs> it was from the, ninth, the, the sequel to this one. So I didn't, I didn't realize there was a sequel. I guess um, we're going to have to watch one. another one. Oh, God. I don't know if I can. So... <laughs> Oof. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk about two Captain America movies. I th- think we should get to it. Do you want to do the summary on this one or you want me to do it? I'll do it. Okay. Steve Rogers, a former Marine, is on the road to becoming a commercial artist when he receives a letter from his late father's colleague. He's told his father created a super steroid to became Captain America, but was murdered. He tries to recruit Steve, to, he being the uh, his father's colleague, tries to recruit Steve to become the next great superhero as a steroid named Flag, full latent ability gain, is coded to his DNA. Steve declines as he wants to be an artist, even after a mysterious group kills a family friend. Steve is attacked by the same mysterious group and nearly killed, but is saved by Flag. Steve, still hesitant to become Captain America, ultimately agrees for reasons and saves the day. Question mark? <laughs> So, yeah, I, I wrote that synopsis. Um, <laughs> I really like we'll, reading your synopses with uh, with dramatic guy voice. Yeah. Uh, I This movie's weird. And so... That synopsis like a, makes exactly as much sense as the movie does. Right. So you this movie was made by Universal. And um, Red Brown, who is Captain America slash Steve Rogers, um, was contracted to make two movies for for Universal, and they were hoping to make him a big star. It never really which is, happened. Which is such a funny thing compared to Marvel today, where they lock up somebody for five to eight movies. And yeah. two, two is such a weird number, you know? Well, back back then, they used to just say, you, you're you making seven movies with us, and you can you would have to get loaned out. That eventually changed with um, but they, maybe... But that's like movies with Universal, and it could right. be anything. But I'm talking about, like, you're playing Captain America in seven movies well no he wasn't movies. he wasn't necessarily signed on for two captain america movies he was just signed on for two universal movies no no that's what i'm leveraged. that's what yeah. i'm saying but with oh, marvel okay, yeah with marvel it's seven captain america movies or yeah. it's marvel but you're being captain america yeah. yeah so this was made by universal and i'm trying to i was trying to figure out exactly what the plan was for this franchise uh because um Red if you Brown start said, out as a tv movie there's not a whole lot of places you can go well, so the thing is i'm thinking i think at one point this was supposed to be a cinematic release because it was made by universal as one of his movies and then i think somewhere in pre-production they changed it because yeah. that's how they, they they basically made red brown do this as part of his universal contract but this was a cbs movie it so sure I think was there was a point where this was gonna be a movie and they realized very quickly 
no, this isn't going to work out as a movie. So then they made it a CBS TV movie. And there was a point where they were going to combine this with some of the other CBS stuff. So, of course, you know, they had the, the Incredible Hulk show. Um, which had a bunch of TV movies. One had Thor and one had Daredevil. Um, and then at around the same time, they were doing the live-action Spider-Man uh, TV movies. So there was a point where they were going to actually start lumping them all together. We were going to get like an MCU for TV yeah, um, in the late 70s, early 80s. And then that ended up not happening. Uh, but God, this movie, I'm just going to say up front, it was a rough watch from yeah. beginning to end. Yeah. It was real tough. And I, I know you got to go in with low expectations and stuff, but um, who boy. I, I feel like hoping... I was, I think I've said this before, but it felt like I was watching a porno without the fucking. Yeah. yeah I don't remember what movie you said that for, but you have said that for, for a different movie. It holds uh, true for this one as well. This, I was hoping that this would be so bad and campy that it crossed over into it's good and fun. It never crosses that threshold. It does, like, it's, it doesn't take, yeah. Like it doesn't take any. Uh, and then why it makes sense that it was on TV. It doesn't take any shots at all, like doing crazy comic book stuff. Like it, it literally is just about a Marine who wants to be an artist who is sort of strong. And he goes to take down some corporation. Well, what's even weirder about this is what, what struck me. My number one note for this movie was if you were to compare it to Zack Snyder's Justice League. You know, one of the the notes that a lot of people put out there was, God damn, there was too much slow motion, Jack, Zack Snyder. This <laughs> one had almost too much, like, establishing shot slash um, moving from location. Like, there's a point where they're supposed to be going somewhere in Malibu to Thousand Oaks, which is 11 miles. And I feel like they, they did, did the whole drive. in real time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how much of the soundtrack is occupied purely by engine hum? It's insane. Like, I would say conservatively, if you cut out all the driving... You could ease, and this is only a 98 minute movie, TV pilot, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's called 98 minutes, like including argument. opening and closing credits. Yeah. And the opening credits are them driving down the Pacific Coast Highway for two or three minutes. But if you were to cut out all the driving, straight this would up, be less than an hour. Yeah, I was going to say at least 15 minutes of this is just driving around. Well, and then like some of it, like there's a point, and we'll, we'll get into a little bit more detail in a minute, but there's a point where he gets in a car accident. And they have like a camera on like the back of the van, but it's like pointed at like the side of the van. So you're just seeing like the side of the van. You're not seeing the road and the van. You're just seeing like the metal door of the van. There's one that's under the the, the van on the undercarriage and like one on the front of the van. And it's no joke. He spins out on an oil slick I, for over two minutes. He's <laughs> just spinning out. And you, all you see is like a metal door. <laughs> the underside of the car and then the front of the car and it's just spinning like you can't even tell what's happening it was like ridiculous and that was like two or three minutes of that yeah do do we want to try to go through the movie and just uh comment on what's ridiculous yeah so the first thing steve rogers is a piece of shit <laughs> he's a selfish asshole he's not steve rogers of the comic book and he's also the son of the original captain america yeah. who nobody seemed to know about and was like a joke. Like, they're like, your dad was Captain America, but they it was called it like a joke. It was We're not clear to it me. At, it was not clear to me at any point that his dad was actually like a superhero. I just Until thought his the, dad was like like a like a scientist who loved America. That's all. Yeah, but like the, the Dr. Mills, who kind of recruits him at one point, he's like, yeah, your dad took the serum first. He tested it on himself. And uh, and this is like also shows that whoever wrote this had no idea like how science actually works and how genetics <laughs> work because he's like he coded it to his his uh, he made it with his adrenal gland, which means it's coded to his DNA, which you share. But it's like, yeah, but he's also half his mom. So there's no guarantee that whatever gene is required for this, he actually has. But yeah. whatever. But he goes, yeah, he went and fought crime, but then he was murdered by criminals. And it's like, OK. And then at the end of the movie. After he does his first mission as Captain America, he's like, I want to keep being Captain America, but I want to do it just like my dad. And I want the same costume he had. And then he gets a new, more comic accurate Captain America costume at the end of the movie. Why have two different costumes? Like, who right. cares? And yeah. I know I know they do that now to sell toys. So they have twice as many toys to sell. But I, I'm not sure that's what was happening with this movie. Yeah, I think I don't know what it was. And they obviously like they did a very specific choice of having like the weird Lycra suit. Mm -hmm. And then a, a motorcycle helmet because he's on a motorcycle. When he's Captain America, 
he's on a motorcycle 90% of the time while he's Captain America. He's on or on of, top of a truck. One of conservatively a dozen motorcycles that he casts into the wind. Yeah. Uh, oh my god, that motorcycle. He oh gets rid god. of so many motorcycles. Like he goes over uh he, he has to catch up to a truck and he just like hops off his motorcycle and it goes into the into the forest and then they continue on with the scene with him on the truck. It's like where did the motorcycle go? Well, no, at, at some, on that. Yeah, at some point they're like, We're gonna go pick it up. But it's still like is a very expensive, high tech piece of machinery. There must be an easier way. Maybe don't have a motorcycle. I don't know. I don't so I get let's so yeah, Steve Rogers, you know, we, we mentioned we want to talk about him a little bit. He's incredibly selfish. Like at the very beginning of the movie, he's just like, you know, he's supposed to be, you know, a young man. He just came back from war. He wants to find himself. Cool. I get that. Um, he's got a friend who's collecting his mail and he goes and gets the mail and he's like, oh shit, I got this letter from a friend of my dad's and his dad's friend, Dr. Mills, like tells him all about Captain America and the serum. And he's just like, no, I'm good. I don't, I don't want to be Captain America, which I can understand. Sure. And then he's, and on the way, before he even gets there, he doesn't realize it was an assassination attempt. But the he, fo- he gets a phone call from the dad's friend, right? A different dad's friend. Yeah. So there's Dr. Mills, who right. was his protege who runs the lab. And then there was Jeff, um, Jeff Hayden, who was also a scientist who was like semi-betraying them because he like took footage of an ad- or a neutron bomb to help the bad guys because... Who's the friend the- that... Who's the friend that he uh, was going to see like that night? Who ends up getting so that killed? was Jeff Hayden, the one who died. They have like a very romantic phone call. Yeah. He's like, Steve, I need you. I yeah. Need you it's to be weird. Here at nine. Steve's like, all right, I'll be there. And he's like, he's like, oh, yeah, that, that works this, out. I'm on my way over to Thousand Oaks and you're only you're so, so close to Thousand Oaks. Yeah. So well, and then he gets to his friend's house and his friend is murdered by this like shadow organization. We don't really know anything about yet. And like the cops and Dr. Mills are like, hey, man, like your dad, your dad's friend and your dad were murdered by this like shadow organization that we don't know anything about. Like they're coming after they're going to come after you. It's a matter of time before they realize, like, maybe you should help us out. He's like, no, I want to go be an artist. And then he gets a second assassination attempt. (laughs) And then he's like, gets saved by the serum. And they're still like. Hey, do you want to be Captain America now? You're like, you've got the serum. You should at least let us do tests. And he's like, no, I'm not going to be Captain America. In fact, you've made my life worse because all the rats you did this on died within two weeks. So I never know if I'm just going to drop dead. There's a Thanks rat weightlifter in this movie. Yeah. And then he just like doesn't do it. And then throughout the movie, he kind of just like keeps them on the hook. Like he keeps like giving them information when he finds out stuff. And he's like flirting with like the female scientists. And they're all like, well, you're going to be Captain America. He's like, I don't know am i for like the whole movie and then like out of nowhere he just decides he wants to be captain america like i don't know where that turning point was but it was more than an hour into this 98 minute movie before he says yeah i'll be captain america yeah i mean like most things in this movie uh it took a long time to get to the point and then it wasn't clear what had actually happened when it did happen and they still gave him like millions of dollars worth of government shit just to like try to entice him like hey we're gonna devote an entire like r&d lab to kidding you out here here's your van that we took and we put a super like we souped up your motorcycle now it's like hidden inside and it has a rocket thruster it has a silent engine it has an indestructible bulletproof shield which they use twice in the movie once he uses it to block bullets and then during the demo the scientist like throws it in the air and it's just kind of like a kite <laughs> just floats in the air for like 30 seconds they just have the camera watching it for like 30 it's, seconds but it's just sky so it doesn't look like it's moving it's so obvious that they they film the guy throwing it and then cut to a shot of uh just the, the shield in the air for like straight up 15 seconds and then they, uh, you know, roll camera and toss the shield back to Steve. And they're like, yeah. wow, look at that shield go. <laughs> yeah, it's really bad. But they just gave him that stuff like, we hope this makes you be Captain America. Yeah. And he goes on a joyride through the Santa Monica Mountains for no joke, five minutes of him just going through mountain roads and then yeah. riding on the beach. And then the bad guys show up in a helicopter and he just jumps up. There's a random ramp on the beach. Then he jumps into the motor, the, the helicopter and like takes on the bad guys. And it's just like, that's the first time he breaks his motorcycle. Yeah. And it's like, what? I don't understand any of this, you know, how this happened. And then like the end of the movie, like the bad guy, let's just talk about the bad guy really quick. The bad guy. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, who is the bad guy? So the bad guy is like a guy who runs a conglomerate that has like oil and energy and a bunch of other stuff. 
his motivations are unclear. They say he's like one of the wealthiest benefactors of people, and he donated uh, millions of dollars to Jeff Hayden's charity that he also ran as a scientist. I don't know. Um, But he wants to create a neutron bomb so he can go rob one of the Federal Reserves, which it doesn't make any sense. They're like, okay, where are all the different places where you can get the last supply for a neutron bomb that also was within boating range uh, or of of a loading dock for one of this guy's companies because they figure out, you know, the company based off. It's really stupid, but Captain America has super hearing. And while they're kind of like, the bad guy's on the phone. He mentions like, oh, yeah, you know, the Doc 9 or something. He's like, you mentioned Doc 9. What could that possibly mean? And then he just threw like Sherlock Holmes deduction based off no other clues. Like, oh, if it's a Doc, that must mean he has trucks and ships. The only <laughs> industries that are going to have that is oil. Oh, this oil baron knows the guy. So it must be him. And then they go, okay, well, where are their Federal Reserve banks? And they name them all. They're like, well, it can't be the Los Angeles one because he'd be there already. So it has to be Arizona. (laughs) So they figure out that he's going to go to Arizona, but it also has to be within 500 miles of Los Angeles for the neutron bomb to kill Los Angeles too. And so he, there's two little Captain America missions. One, he goes to like the uh, oil place and I can't, I don't honestly know what his mission was. It was to get the girls, but it was very vague. Like, okay, we're going to go save the girls. And he just uses like, old timey looney tune tricks to take out security <laughs> guards like using oil slicks and, and he shit. like jumps up really high and the guy's looking for him and he like looks left and right but not up and he's like well i guess captain america got away yeah uh and so then like the final battle is he uses his motorcycle he's in a helicopter for five to ten minutes conservatively just flying over california seeing the sights jumps out of the helicopter in a motorcycle gets up on the truck where the bad guy is and like the CEO, the main bad guy is like in the back of the truck, like guarding the neutron bomb with his like two henchmen driving. And why is he in the back of the truck? I don't know. But Jeffrey Bezos, like why is he back there? Yeah. We know this, that the, the bad guy put like a dead man switch on his, you know, heart monitor. So if his heart goes out, then the bomb blows up. We know this. Captain America doesn't know this, but for whatever reason, Captain America, who up to this point, anytime he's used his power, she's just kind of shoved people. Where he shoved, like, there's one scene where he's in a meat locker when he first discovers his power. He just shoves meat in a meat locker, like, all over the place to knock people out. But he's only shoved people up to this point. But here, he decides he's going to take the exhaust from the truck and bend it into the cabinet where the bad guy is. going to brutally murder this man. Yeah, to get this guy carbon monoxide poisoning. He's going to kill this guy. And then, like, they open up the truck. And the guy's like, oh, his heart beats bad. And they're like, oh, that must be a dead man switch. And then the doctor friend comes and like gives him some sort of injection and like they pump him full of oxygen for like three puffs and he's like okay you saved the day captain america's like dude you almost set off a nuclear bomb by carbon monoxide poisoning this guy yeah and also just from like uh you know telling a thrilling story point of view this is a movie where uh a captain america movie where captain america holds an oxygen mask on a guy for three minutes and they're just like (laughs) well i guess he's okay now like, wow, it's really what a thrilling, bad. what a thrilling conclusion to this, uh, to this story. And like, this guy has sleep apnea. Okay. Pushing people at a certain point. Like there's a point where he, right after he gets the serum and he doesn't really know if it's worked or what his powers are, the bad guys with like three cronies come up and like, they're like, tell us where the microfilm is. And he's like, I honestly don't. And he doesn't know anything about the microfilm. They're like, tell us. And like, he's like, no. And he like pushes a guy, but like, it's clearly, he just kind of like shoves the guy lightly. And then the other guy just runs into the other guy to make it look like he was thrown out hard. Like there's nothing in this action. That's impressive. Like, you know, the, obviously the Hulk show had been going for a while, but like it was way better than this. There's a lot of talk of jamming things down people's throats. Yes! What was that? I don't know, man. I mean, there's a lot of subtext, I guess. I actually have that clip. I can play it. Give me one second. I'm going to play it. And this might not come out clear on the recording, but I'll I'll dump it in if it's not clear. Um, But there's a point where before he's recruited and actually signs up, He's like drawing on the beach and the scientist is like, come on, be Captain America. And he's like, I don't know. I just really want to be an artist. Look at what I drew. And he drew like a Captain America costume. And then the scientist like creates the suit and he's like, come on, you're going to need a costume to hide your identity. Here it is. And this he, scene didn't make he tells sense. Him, he tells him um, you're going to be impossible to recognize and impossible to remember. 
Right. But it's also Which like, I thought was funny because like he's dressed up in red, white, and blue and he's in a white right. red. So suit. I'm gonna play this. And I've got gonna a couple it. other comments on it that don't quite make sense, but one second, I'm gonna play it right now. Be Captain America, Steve. Jam Captain America down their throats. <laughs> so not only does I mean that sound weird, jam it down their throats. Uh it's he says like they called him Captain America and like there's a little bit of build up to that, but basically they say like both the bad guys and the good guys like made fun of his dad for being so patriotic that they called him Captain America like it's a joke. And he's like, and take it back. That's it's weird. Like that's the mentality. Like we're gonna take back this name. But that it does it doesn't have anything to do with the story either. It's not no. even like like that's not a motivation for him. He never knew his dad anyway, right? Or he did, that, he just didn't know that, that his dad was yeah. yeah, he didn't know his dad had this life. But there's no like, you know, there's no like rags to riches or my dad was, uh, you know, humiliated in a way that I understood growing up. And like, I have to take this back. I have to prove so. There's no chip on his shoulder, really. No. He just wants to be an artist. And and the thing is, just going back to it, you mentioned like this guy, um, um, Red Brown, is ripped. Like he's a former Marine. He's, I, you know, six foot something, really great shape. And, like, he just gets a serum that can make him jump a little stronger and he has better hearing. Like, this just isn't Captain America. I made a, uh, a note, like, to the to the movie's credit. Um, he's in, I don't want to say better shape. He's, he's, like, physically bigger than most male leads were at that time. Yeah. You know, you think about, like, Harrison Ford, Han Solo, or Indiana Jones or something. And he, like, basically has a dad bod. Like, he's in good shape. Uh, but he doesn't have like abs, you know. He doesn't yeah. have like monster pecs or fucking. Yeah, he looks like a guy who has some weights in the garage and biceps. lifts every once in a while. Yeah, but yeah. Still but, drinks beer. But Red Brown is like fucking ripped. Yeah, he's fucking cut, and it's yeah. just like the whole point him. of Captain America. And we'll get to it more with the Chris Evans version because they really leaned into it. Was the like he was a weak, frail man, and it's just like this guy was a man who was always tough. He was a marine, like. And now he just gets more powers. Like there isn't any, even even if he was like gung ho, like yeah, I'll be Captain America from the beginning. Like there's nothing inspirational about this Captain America yeah. at all. Yeah, I think more than um, any other superhero besides like Superman. Um, yeah, Captain America is a is a character that you should be inspired by and aspire yeah. to be more like. And this guy is just like. Not not that at all. No, he's selfish. He he, he just wants to do his and I'm, it's cool. I, like you should do what you want to do with your life. If you're an artist and you want to be an artist, go be an artist. But like, yeah, that's fine. It's just not Captain for, America. Yeah, it's just yeah. He's, don't he's make ripped that Matthew Captain McConaughey. McConaughey. Yeah, he just wants so, to like hang out and be a stoner. That's yeah, cool. that's exactly cool. You do that, but just don't put that in a Captain America movie. Yeah. Uh, so when we previously covered Captain America, we did the 1990 version because I could not get this version. And this year, now it was available on, on Voodoo. So that's why you were forced to watch this movie. But I would say, honestly, this movie was painful to watch. Yeah. I feel like it's not I, I want to watch I want to watch the 1991 now just because I, I thought I was getting into that. Um, I, that one feels like it's a little bit more campy. The like 1991 is definitely campy. It's 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 not it's not painful to watch. Like there's certain things that don't make sense, but like it's it's worth watching. That feels like a so bad it's good type situation. I, I wouldn't even say that. Like it's, it's obviously 1990. It had a small budget, but there's certain things that were good. Like the the effects and the costume for Red Skull are fucking awesome. Like the Red Skull makeup is terrifying. Like Tight. watching it for the Red Skull alone is worth it. Tight. Yeah. No. It the 1991 has some merit, and it's uh, Matt Salinger, JG Salinger's uh, son, who's Captain mm. America in that one. Oh, so. cool. Um, did you, but yeah, did I wouldn't you, say watch this. No. Yeah, no. Did you notice, by the way, that the uh, silent mode on his motorcycle was still pretty loud? Yeah, you know, honestly, I appreciate that. Like, they, you know, like silencers in movies make guns go when in reality they're still pretty loud. Um, in this, what I thought was funny is the one time where he actually uses the silent mode, it's like he's on his motorcycle and he's already in the bad guy's like base. And it's like he's already been riding around. You see him near oil refineries and stuff. And it's like once he gets past the gate and he can see somebody, then he flips it on. It's like, why, dude, you're why in just the, always have it on. Yeah. You're in the canyons. Like they could hear you coming miles away. <laughs> <laughs> and then you turn it on just because you pass through a gate. It's dumb. But uh, oh, yeah. Also, the bad guy looks like Pat Sajak. Yeah, he does a little bit. Yeah. But like it's just a generic corporate bad guy. Like it's mm -hmm. weird that you don't do 
some sort of Red Skull or Baron Zemo. Like, at least make him like Baron Zemo or some like give him a comic Just book name. Lean, lean into the fantastic a little bit or don't do yeah. a comic book movie. Yeah, right. Exactly. So not worth watching. No. Uh and he's just not Captain America. Like he's in the costume twice and it's like 98 minutes. It's more than an hour into it before he agrees to be Captain America. He's a real it's himbo no in this movie. Yeah. So um, he uh, also, he looks like um, Harry or Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber. At one point. <laughs> he's like riding his little Vespa around and he's got like a members only jacket on. <laughs> he didn't even talk about the porno music through the whole thing. Oh, it's bad. Straight up porno music the entire yeah. time. Yeah. Just seventies, just weird instrumental tracks, and, and and like completely disconnected from the story of the movie too. It doesn't fit the mood anywhere. Yeah, yeah, totally random. All right, man, we're done talking about that one. Before we get to our next movie, what have you been up to, bud? What have I been up to, bud? Well, bud, what I've been up to is watching The Wedding Singer. That's a good movie. Fantastic. Yeah, I also watched uh, Enter the Dragon, which is Ooh. fine. I do want to watch more Bruce Lee, but that one didn't knock my dick off. Um, yeah, I watched Hot Rod. Overrated. Yeah, I watched uh, Hot Rod, my yearly watch of that. I was this close to watching it. I had it. I started it, and then I decided to watch something else. And I wish I did watch Hot so Rod good, instead. Man. I watched I watched Pop Star recently. Yeah, we talked about that. I think. Yeah, back in May. Uh, I watched Mamma Mia for the first time. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan in it. So Pierce Brosnan killing it. Daddy Bros. A uh, lot of fun. Um, I watched Metallica, some kind of monster. Have you seen okay. that? Okay. I love that movie. I will watch that maybe not once a year, but every couple of years I'll revisit that. It, it, there's a lot of good stuff to chew on in there. Um, it was kind of fun that because we're talking about Captain America today, and uh, last week we talked about Fast Nine on our Patreon. Sign up for the Patreon if you haven't. Um, I watched Talladega Nights: The Ballad of Ricky Bobby today. And that sort of ties everything together. There's a lot of patriotism and racing, obviously. And uh, it was just sort of a nice, you know. I tried to, to watch it. that like six months ago and I couldn't. It I, was, just, I, I still enjoyed it, man. I think it still holds up. I love that. That was like one of my favorite movies from like 2004 to 2010 when, you know, Will Ferrell was at his peak. And I just, I couldn't. I just didn't what like it this time around it was just too like weird like just like everyone being offended by by uh sasha baron cohen's character being gay it was just like it was a little too homophobic for my taste like i just it's a little didn't yeah uh but no i mean they 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 play into that um later on in the movie yeah towards the end of the movie yeah it did make me just want to watch logan lucky though to be honest logan lucky's fun yeah i I love that movie um fast nine man I want to have another conversation with you about it. Yeah, I, I, I'm think- I, I, I almost keep... went and saw it again this weekend. Yeah, it's almost and like I... fascinatingly bad, right? Yeah, it's fast. It's 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 honestly the worst of the fast movies. Yeah, but they're... it's it's fascinatingly. Yeah, bad. I don't. Know, I have a few. Like... I have a few friends that saw it and they were like, "That's exactly what I wanted." And I was like, "Really?" Because I like these movies a lot, and I had a really hard time with it. We, I mean, obviously, we talked about it on our Patreon episode. Check it out, uh, patreon.com slash mdxpods. Um, it's only a dollar a month, by the way. Yeah. And that and helps we, us do cool things like recording in studios for these podcasts and getting guests in different movies and stuff. So. Yeah, and paying for the movies and the website and yeah. whatnot. Pitch um, in if you can, if you enjoy this. But, you know, we, we've talked about all of them. And we ranked after after Fate of the Furious, we ranked that we put them in an order, you know, each of us. And they were pretty close, our, our orders. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would put, like, this F9 towards the bottom of my list and i was really excited about it in you know may of last year i had bought tickets in like february for it and then of course it got delayed and i was just i don't know maybe if i didn't wasn't looking forward to the movie for a year i don't know i don't know but i didn't like it all that much you know what it is i think charlie's theron is the reason these movies are bad now (laughs) i like charlie's theron but i think you know she's got some sort of influence and she's like let's make them bad maybe you, you got anything else? Nope, that's it. Cool. I'm gonna. So uh, not too long ago, we had Jade from from AFI and Black Audio on our our uh, show, and I didn't um, say all the things that I watched during that. And then last the last episode after his appearance, I still didn't say everything, and I missed some major ones. So I'm gonna some of these things I actually watched a few weeks ago and just forgot to mention. But uh, I saw A Quiet Place uh, Part Two a few weeks mm-hmm. back. I should have mentioned it on the last episode. I fucking loved it. I think. I think it was better than the first one. Um, 
I think the opening scene was better. I think the audio mixing was even better with the alternating between like hearing it and then being hearing it from the perspective of the deaf deaf daughter um, was great. Um, I saw In the Heights, which uh, it's no, and I think this is to its detriment. I think a lot of people were going into this expecting it to be like Hamilton and it's just, it's not Hamilton, but it was enjoyable. And then uh, my nephew was in town, and he he has uh, never seen some of the best movies ever made. He has never seen Back to the Future, so we oh, watched man. the all, the Back to the Future movies together. Uh, and I had just watched all three earlier awesome. this year, but I was a hundred percent willing. Those. Was that? I want to revisit those, especially three. Yeah. I, so my order, if I were ranking them, is one, three, two. Uh, I actually like the third one better than the second one, but I, th- I think they're all very, very close. Like the dark Knight Nolan trilogy, where it's just like, if they're all A's, there's just a varying degree of a ranking of an A. Um, but I go, I like the third one more than the second one. There's one that doesn't automatically date itself for being, you know, in a year that's passed, but it's more about the relationship between doc and Marty and you know, how their friendship is, uh, just transcends time and space. So I, oh, I really like the third one. Um, we also made him watch Hot Fuzz. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's one of my desert. I probably watch Hot Fuzz like three times a year. I fucking oh, yeah. love that movie. Yeah. Um, and then on your recommendation, I did start um, For All Mankind. Yeah. And uh, it, it took me a little to get into. I don't think that Joel Kidman's good in it. I think there are a few <laughs> actors and we brought this up in our Robocop episode. Are you on? One. Have you started the second season yet? Yes. I'm, I'm uh, on the second episode of the second season now. So I did finish okay. the first season. I watched the first episode of the second season. I I brought this up when we were talking about RoboCop when his scenes with Jack um, Jackie Early Haley, where I just think like for whatever reason he had chemistry with him and like the scenes where they're together, Joel Kinnaman's uh, uh, performance I thought was elevated. In this show, same thing. I think he's kind of boring. I think like and I think John Hamm would have been too on the nose for this, but I think John Hamm would have been just would have knocked the same role out of the park. But Joel Kinnaman, there's a scene where a couple scenes where he's up in space with the um, with Molly Cobb, who I, I can't I don't know the actress's name. I'm not looking at it. But there this actress, uh, this character who his character has like just this friction with, but they have to work together. But she's a sarcastic, you know, uh, progressive woman. And he's, you know, a 60s man, <laughs> you know, everything. So there's some friction there. And for whatever reason, like their antagonistic relationship she has with him. Joel Kinnaman puts in a much better performance when he's with her than anything else. So I, it, I got sucked into the show though. Like I, I, yeah, it does that. I stuck with it. Sonia Walsh. Yeah. When she's on screen with him, she, he, he's way better than any other scenes. Like if they're together, he, he's just a different actor, different when he's with her. Um, I think she's the best actor on the show. Oh, I think so as well. Um, so she, that show, like, I was on the fence, but after, like, it hit episode five, when they find ice on the moon, I was just, like, in that scene when they find it was just so thrilling and suspenseful. I, now I'm just sucked in. I'm like, oh, what's going to happen next? So you, you got me in. Yeah. You told me to stick with Good. it a few episodes. <laughs> I almost gave up. I didn't and give I think, up, like, and now I'm in. Yeah, and I, I hate when people say that, like, oh, you know, you got to stick with it for a little bit, but I think this one's worth it. And I think, like, their vision of the alternate history is so interesting. And the fact yeah. that it keeps on skipping forward in time, 10 or 12 years is super interesting. And they've said they're going to make like five seasons of this. So yeah. They, they just renewed it for it. season three. Yeah. So they're going to catch up to 2020 and surpass us a little bit. I hope so. And, um, you know, mild spoilers. If you plan on watching it fast forward 15 or 30 seconds. Um, I think it's super cool. They're going to Mars. I can't wait for next season. Dude, I'm not and there talk- yet. What? I just started season two. No, oh, yeah, that, well. that's a pretty obvious thing that they're going to do. Yeah, though. yeah, right. Sorry. <laughs> but I was sorry. I was I was also thinking about the other spoiler, and then I didn't want to make sure I wasn't going to ruin anything else. But I know no, you I got didn't. to this point. Uh, the the kid was heartbreaking, man. Oh, that was heartbreaking. The thing that that was, was the like, moment where I was like, oh, the show has stakes. I'm in. Yeah. Well, and then when Deke, oh Deke, yeah, he's such a that's thick. what Frank Sabatka, dude. That's my guy from The Wire. Yeah, he was my he's favorite great. character because he's like yeah. he's still that very stern like red-blooded macho american and he's like the bureaucrat but he was supposed to be an astronaut but because of a condition um, health condition he couldn't so now he runs nasa and like 
there's so many times where like, okay, well you have to put a woman up in space and like, he didn't want to, but then like he finally got on board with it and they're like, Oh, you don't have to do it anymore. He's like, no, fuck that. These women are badasses. I'm going to do it. And then like some more and more progressive things are thrown in his face. And initially he's like, ah, bah humbug. But then eventually he's like, you don't know, like you're a good person. And I I appreciate you. So I was like, he was my favorite character and heartbreaking what happened to him. But anyway, um, just a couple other things. Then we'll get to Captain America first Avenger. Uh, I knew nothing about this movie. Uh, My wife Katrina wanted to see it. And so we went and saw it and I went and saw this blind. It's called at Zola. And it's uh, apparently like this woman story on Twitter. She did it over like the course of like 168 tweets, like in 2015. Oh, I didn't know that was out. Yeah, it just came out this weekend. Oh, I want to see that so bad. I went in blind. And I think if you know the story, I don't think this would be as good because I had no idea what the fuck it was about. She's just like, let's go see it. And I saw like a 20 second Instagram spot for it. And I was like, whatever. I thought this was going to be like the the bling squad or whatever, the bling ring or whatever. I thought it was going to be something like that. And then I was just like, not knowing anything about it, it was just kept ratcheting up like the intensity. I was like, holy shit. Uh, Super good. And then um, we I watched both Hitman Bodyguards movies. Not very good. (laughs) <laughs> I was yeah just these bored. are like weird ryan reynolds samuel L. jackson movies that should be huge but don't like they, they, fly they made money the so like we watched the first one katrina wanted to see the second one so we decided to watch the first one and it was awful like i think i gave it like a half a star or one star on letterboxd yeah. and then i was bored the other night so i went and saw the second one the second one's much better but ryan reynolds does not have chemistry with samuel L. jackson or with um salma hayek mm. It's very odd seeing them on screen together. Like they clearly right. didn't get along, or something was weird. But uh, they weren't very good. But uh, that's it. Let's uh, talk about the uh, first Avenger. Yeah, oh, I guess I'm list... summarizing this one. What's that? I guess I'm oh, summarizing yeah. this one because you did the other one. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, during World War II, Steve Rogers tries to enlist repeatedly, but is rejected uh, because of his his sickly conditions. However, Doctor Erskine. Uh, notes his determination allows him to be accepted into the first super soldier program. After a successful transformation, the doctor is killed. And as the lone super soldier in what was planned to be an army, Rogers uh, transitions to becoming a propaganda tool to increase war bond sales. Meanwhile, Johan Smith, Red Skull, Johan, head of the, Johan, uh, <laughs> Johan Smith, head of the German science division known as Hydra, finds the Tesseract and creates weapons of untold power and plans to attack the U.S. After arriving in Europe and not being accepted or welcomed by the troops, Steve disobeys direct orders and embarks on a rescue mission to save stranded soldiers, including his best friend, Bucky Barnes. After a successful mission, Steve Rogers is given a team, the Howling Commandos, and sets out to take on Hydra and stop Schmidt. Yeah. Yeah. I take for granted you've seen this movie before. Yeah. I was going to (laughs) say... I, yeah, I've seen this movie many times. My notes for this movie are a third as long as the other Captain America. Movie. Yeah, mine too. I took almost no notes like, for this one. I mean, a I've seen it, so I can I could talk about it without watching it. Uh, but it also is just so much fun to watch. Like it's uh, it's just a blast from I think this start is to end. The, I don't really have any. I didn't take a whole bunch of notes. So I was just enjoying it. I think this was one of the most underrated MCU movies, and I think after, I don't think it's underrated. I think it just is like not. It's like forgotten at this point because it's one of the first ones and it's well, been 10 you years look now. At the, but I feel the, like when uh, people talk about it, it's like properly rated. Yeah, I think people are – I think after Endgame when people started to go back and revisit movies. So there's certain movies that – you know, I'm on a lot of comic book forums. I'm on some podcast forums like the podcast fan sites. Uh, and I think after Endgame, a lot of people started going back and re-watching the older movies. And a lot of people were like, oh, Thor and Captain America, the first Avenger, is a lot better than I remember it being. Mm-hmm. And I remember leading up to Avengers, you know, Iron Man, Iron Man 2, um, Thor, and Captain America. This was the last one before Avengers and Avengers. I remember thinking this one wasn't as fun as Iron Man and Thor. I, I liked Iron Man and Thor a lot more than Captain America initially. But then Winter Soldier just knocked it out of the park. And I yeah. started going back. And up until... It's I'd a real say, Batman Begins Dark Knight situation. Yeah. I feel like up until... I can't remember the, the point where I stopped doing this. But there was a point where before every MCU movie, I would go back and watch all the other MCU movies leading up to it. Oh, yeah. And eventually got to the point where there's too many to do that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, every time I went back to this movie, I liked it a little bit more. And I've always found, especially because I think Winter Soldier and Civil War are just that good of movies, like they're so great. I've always considered the Captain America solo movies to be the best solo movies in the MCU. And 
going back and watching this again, I just think in looking at the the uh, the Rotten Tomatoes score, like this had an eighty percent critic and seventy four for audience. And I feel like if people went back and re-rated this, I feel like it would be a lot higher because this is a fun movie from beginning to end. Yeah, and I think that's a testament to uh, the director, Joe Johnston, who oh, also did The Rocketeer, um, just for creating this like timeless movie. You know, yeah, he made a he made a movie that um, holds up for uh, for, for as, as long as we can conceivably um, think. He also did Jurassic Park three, by the way. I was looking at his. Uh, yeah, but he also oh, did and Jumanji, uh, Jumanji, and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and the Young uh, Indiana Jones Chronicles, the TV series. Yeah, and then he also did like the live action portions of the Page Master. No, he's yeah, he's great. He's great. No, I love Joe Johnson. Um, but yeah, that's one of the things I was thinking about while I was watching this. Is like, there's so much. Um, I think maybe people think more about this with John Favreau and Iron Man, because uh, that was the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, where like John Favreau, you know, created the the language of the mcu and like there's so much that he did in the first iron man movie that has carried through to avengers endgame yeah you know even uh just elements of iron man's um character and sound effects and visuals and blah blah blah. but that's true of joe johnson and captain america too like they did the thing where he um i don't think he kicks up the shield i think that's the second movie but he like picked up the shield and turned it over and there's just that whoosh that is in every single captain america movie like joe johnson did that shit you know, well, he created all these like um, hallmarks of the character that you don't maybe even necessarily think about. But that um, that little whoosh of the of the, the, the shield flipping over and the vibranium is, um, you know, has like emotional resonance for me. No, I agree. It makes it's, me think it, of this character. I love no, it. I agree 100 percent. And I think he probably had the hardest job out of the, you know, the the origin movies of phase one, because this was at a stage where we were starting to get to a point where people were complaining about the quote-unquote origin story of the superhero. And he had the problem of having to do, you know, the Captain America origin, but he also had to get Captain America to the natural, you know, normal time period that we're in now. He had to get us to the current timeline. And he also has to do a period piece, and he also has to do the one uh, of the main three of Thor, Iron Man, and Captain America that doesn't have, like, fantastic visual powers. Right. And he's also got to create, um, you know, a Boy Scout that is interesting and inspirational. Like, Tony Stark, all you have to do is cast Robert Downey Jr., really. Like, he's going to knock that out of the park. And Thor, like, Chris Hemsworth is huge, and he just has to have, like, bravado and stuff. It's not... It, there's less like character work going on. And with Captain America, you got to make me believe that he's that guy. You need somebody you have to make earn a good it. Like, story. Yeah. You have to have that earnestness where he really is just a good person. And, you know, and that shit is easy to fuck up uh, as, yeah. as evidenced by Zack Snyder and uh, Superman, which has the right. same problem. Yeah. Well, and like the thing is, and what I really like about this and Chris Evans was like offered this role six times before he accepted it. <laughs> Yeah. And there was a point where it, it was going to be John Krasinski. Like he actually screen tested for right. it and was in the costume and everything before he got it. And what I like about Chris Evans and, you know, when you look at, you know, his appearance in a, over a 10 years worth of movies in this one, he's a good person and everybody believes that he's a good person, but he doesn't have that confidence yet. But as as he moves on through the MCU and takes on the leadership mm-hmm. roles as you get into the end game, like he still has that like we have to do what's right. But he also has that confidence to be like, you guys are going to follow me into battle and I know I'm right. And here we are. And it's like he naturally becomes this leader over the progression yeah. of several I'm going to take care of you no matter yeah. what happens. Like, And, yeah. and I, I believe that. And I remember when they cast Chris Evans, I'm like, I get it from a physical standpoint. Like he is an impressive human specimen physically. Chris Evans, the actor. Is. Easy buddy. Um, but like, you know, I had only seen him in, you know teen movies like the perfect score and not another teen movie and of course uh you know the human torch and i was like i don't know if he's gonna have like the gravitas to like suck me in and be this emotional character and he knocks it out of the park like he yeah and he sucked you hard well i'm not gonna go that far i'm comfortable (laughs) enough in my in my sexuality to say this is a good looking dude and it's totally fine like you need to find the perfect especially in a cable that sweater yeah (laughs) like in in a Knives Out, such a good movie. That's right. Um, but no, like he, like when you when you see that scene when he, and we'll we'll get into the movie in a minute. But like that scene when he comes out of the experiment, like they open up the the capsule and Haley Atwell as as Peggy Carter like touches his chest. That wasn't scripted. Like that was just 
her like holy shit like look at this and man in the background of the scene like right behind them there's another um female actor like eyeballing him like doing the same thing yeah. i hadn't picked up on that until no me that, neither uh, this rewatch yeah i saw that too but it's weird because it's like i mean come on like when you have an actress who's like seeing like that was like one of the first scenes they filmed and she just sees this man this ungodly glistening man and she has to touch him like it's a little problematic honestly like <laughs> that's okay like, well, i think women can get a few uh objectifications in there yeah but it's just like they're owed a few yeah they are that's fair but it's just like i mean that speaks volumes and it's also such an impressive scene because of the special effects they did on the front end where they put, you know, Chris Evans face on this like 90 pound scrawny body. Yeah. And it looks, you know, a little dated today, but for 2011, yeah. it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. They did a good job with it. Um, that was one of my notes too. It kind of, it's starting to look dated, but I remember being pretty impressed with it at yeah. the time. The only thing that's weird about, it, I think the weirdest thing is just being so used to him being, you know, the buff guy that he's been the last 10 years and he has that deep voice. It seems a little odd, that really deep voice coming from that scrawny body. Yeah. It's a little yeah, odd. Yeah, but they would have done that differently. If they yeah. Had redone I, it. I think they should you know, have done something, but. I picked up on a few, um, what I think are homages that I did, had not picked up on um, before. I thought sure. were kind of interesting. Uh, we just watched The Thing. Yeah, we did. The introduction of this movie is just the thing. They're, yeah, they're out yeah. in. Yeah, they're out in. I, it's not Antarctica. It's the North Pole, right? Uh, I think it's somewhere in fly, Canada. Yeah, yeah, it's nor- northern, not yeah. northern cold area. But they're in parkas, um, and they uh, they don't stand with their arms out like they do in the <laughs> thing. But they have like the torches or whatever, and they set up the torches around the um, the, the perimeter, perimeter of the plane of of the plane. Um, so that that and that feels like. It feels like they knew what they were doing. That felt like an obvious homage. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, there's a lot of like, I, I don't know if Inglorious Bastards came out before this, but it felt like there was it a did. lot of Inglorious Bastards stuff going on. Yeah. Inglorious Bastards came out, I think, like two years, two or three years before this. Yeah. There's, um, this is like a terrible thing to bring up now because I don't have evidence. There's, uh, there's a Pulp Fiction thing. Oh, when he opens the box, uh, the light comes out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like the, the suitcase. For the, when, Pulp he, Fiction. when he sees the Tesseract the first time. Yeah, and that feels like you know exactly what you're doing. Yeah. You know? um, oh, and the the intro is similar to Inglorious Bastards too, uh, with the Nazi interrogating um, the Red Wedding dude from Game Walter of Frey. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, then, and you know he's and you know he's protecting the townspeople, but you know that Johann Schmidt is going to kill the townspeople anyway. Feels very similar to. Um, the opening of Inglorious. Well, and then we, even within this, it's movie of its own. There are a lot of little nods that show us that the director knows this character and he's teasing things like at the very beginning and things that, you know, you brought up the sound effect of the shield though. Like I can't mm-hmm. obviously do it vocally, but that everybody knows the sound that the shield yeah. makes whenever he moves it. Um, mm-hmm. But there's certain things like that. I can do this all day that becomes yeah. a staple of the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, and as said, also his, times, Dancing with uh, Peggy. Yeah. You know, little like, things like that. Like every Arguably movie. the most the most emotionally resonant uh, part of the entire MCU. Yeah. They paid it all off in it. This game. entire movie, they plan on sharing a dance with each other. And obviously it never mm-hmm. happens. And, you know, Endgame caps off with it. It's fantastic. Yeah. But even little things like using the shield. Like I remember when this came out, I was like, I was afraid they were going to like, it was the shield being thrown was going to be camping over Dumbo. Like they start teasing the shield early with him picking up the garbage can and, you know, mm-hmm. lid and, you know, using it as a shield and the car door, like after he gets transformed mm-hmm. and he accidentally like rips off the door using it as a shield. And it's just like, we're going to get there eventually. It's almost like Han going to Tokyo, like he'll get there. <laughs> yeah. And that, that was one of my notes too. Um, the shield specifically, but also just the costume in general, like they do such a good job of slowly rolling out, um what you know where we know we're going to end up with the shield and the costume right. it's just like so satisfying to watch what's funny is a lot of people and i've been seeing this meme a lot lately especially with loki you know little spoiler for the the latest episode of loki but we see old man loki or classic loki in the old comic book costume and then we saw in uh um, richard e grant yep uh and we see in in uh, wandavision we saw them in the classic vision and classic scarlet witch mm-hmm. costume and like those shows have been getting a lot of credit for like oh yeah look they're you're they're doing nods to the original ones but in this one his propaganda costume was super comic accurate and everything yeah. and also looked like the old classic pulp serial you know george reeves superman 
mm-hmm. kind of costumes and everything. So I like this movie did that way before <laughs> WandaVision yeah. with do, doing the comic accurate suit, which I thought was really cool. And then of course it gets a more modern superhero suit as the, the movie progresses. But uh, I, I thought that was a really nice homage. And I don't think this movie gets enough credit for doing that. Yeah, I mean, like WandaVision and Loki are doing it because they did it in Captain America and it worked. Like, there's yeah, but I think people stuff. forget about that. Yeah, for sure. It's been you know, it's been ten years. Ten but years. There's definitely, yeah. there's definitely a through line. Like, it worked then. We're going to do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then just like the, you know, Marvel has done such an incredible job casting the entire MCU, but like the supporting cast in this movie. I think arguably is the best supporting cast in any of the, the Marvel movies. You have Stanley Tucci as, as uh, Abraham. He's so good. Fantastic. Like he really just like, I buy everything he says about Steve yeah. being a good man, not the perfect soldier, but a good man. And then you have Tommy Lee Jones. Who's just like, I don't really like Dude, Steve I, Rogers, but then he, I always forget that. To, yeah. I always forget that Tommy Lee Jones is in the MCU and he's so good. Yeah. But he's like gruff military guy and wants to pick the ideal soldier. And then like even he over the course of the movie is like, no, Captain America is pretty fucking tight. Like Steve yeah. Rogers is like a good dude. And then you have yeah, he's got you know, a little Sebast- arc. Sebastian Stan, you know, obviously he's a staple in the series now, but he's, you know, seeing his kind of early days before he's like ripped and everything like he's gotten more ripped as I mean, the series goes. But he's just like, you that's know. why he's so well cast, though. Like, yeah, he's. They um, this goes back to what we were saying before. Like they did such a good job of setting up the universe in this movie um, that they they made Bucky this character that that audiences absolutely love, and he has his own TV show now. Yeah, you know, I, I just loved like when we're first introduced to him. I forgot the scene. I mean, I never forgot the scene, but like there's just something that I laughed about it, but just fit for the time because it's supposed to be you know 1940s, and you know they're not you know, super soldiers yet that have been trained in all these crazy martial arts. But when he goes and kind of rescues Steve from the bully in the alley, he literally like kicks the bully he kicks in the him butt. In the ass. <laughs> you give I him love a that. firm kick on the ass. And I just thought like, that's so funny. I, um, I was laughing so hard. Yeah. It just, it's, it's great. And then seeing like this movie had so many Easter eggs. Like I had Adam, uh, um, Aaron Zola in the screen, which he eventually becomes like a computerized version of winter soldier. And that's how he is in the comic books. And we see the original human torch at the world fair. Um, he's just mm-hmm. in like a little, like back, back to tank from Star Wars kind of thing, like <laughs> at the World Fair, and then you know Howard, St- you know Howard Stark, and it, like there's just so much in this that really builds the MCU, and I don't think this movie gets enough credit for establishing a lot. Like you brought it up early on, like there's so much that this does heavy lifting to set it up, and it's the last movie before Avengers. Like the the uh, post credit scene of this is him, you know, being approached by Nick Fury after waking up in yeah. 2012, and whatnot like it's just this movie had so much it had to do and i think it knocked it out of the park yeah agreed um uh, do you think steve got laid on the star spangled man tour no he didn't so he's a virgin he, he like goes into it's, the eyes he, they virgin. never explicitly say it but uh i mean he's super awkward around natalie dormer right and then also star lord's mom is in this movie is like just a you know a soldier girl as well and like he's super awkward so, I, I mean, I, I do think he is at this point. Like, he is so enamored by Peggy. Well, but this this is why I'm asking. He He's enamored by Peggy. I mean, he, he is throughout the movie, but they have a little thing, and then he makes out with Natalie Dormer, and Peggy catches him, and then he goes off to Europe. And while he's out there, they you know, they do the newsreel, and he's still got her um, picture, picture in his pocket, yeah. And blah, blah, blah. Um, I guess that that's after he was Star Spangled Man. Yeah. But during this is what I'm saying. Du- sorry, during Star Spangled Man, he's hanging out with all the dancers and shit, and he's like, um, he's got his new body. He's like coming into himself, and that's before him and Peggy like really start flirting a lot. Yeah. So I wonder if he managed to like. I don't know. think he did because he was super awkward when Natalie Dormer. And now, granted, he was there and he was about to see Peggy yeah. and everything. But then he also is like super like, you know, granted, he has a huge crush on her. When like they talk about fondue, he thinks it's a sex yeah. thing. Yeah. And so like, I think fondue? he's still pretty innocent. Do you fondue a lot? And he's like, it's just cheese, man. <laughs> um, Dominic Cooper is Howard Stark is so good. Fantastic. Also in Mamma Mia, by the way. Yep. He's I'm. I know he was in the the Agent Carter show, which I never actually watched, but I, I think Dominic Cooper was a perfect young Howard Stark. Yeah, yeah. one of three like actors him. who's portrayed him. I like um, Roger Sterling a lot, but uh, Dominic Cooper's a lot of fun. Yeah, he's great. So Steve, like, I'm just, 
Steve, I mean, does Steve get laid in modern times? Like, is he just the is he the best incel in the world? I think so. I mean, I, I mean, an incel has a negative connotation. I don't think he he's a vol cell. Yeah, he doesn't like he's more celibate than an incel. Like, because that's involuntary. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think he's involuntary because I think if he he wanted to, he absolutely could. Like in Winter Soldier, there's so many times where like uh, Black Widow's like, "Dude, I can just set you up with these." He's like, "I'm fine." Like he, I don't think he actually cares about getting laid. Like he has, he has different priorities. Yeah. Do you think that's why he's so like uh, mentally sharp and stuff? Because he saves up all of his man juice. He's like a soccer like... player not having sex before a game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, I just don't think that's ever been. He keeps his head on a swivel. Yeah, I just don't think it's ever been a priority for him. And I mean, obviously, he was hung up. Like it was a big deal when he went after Peggy's niece, which is still a little weird. But uh, uh... do you think when he goes back in time at the end of Endgame, Peggy Carter just like fucking gets it? Oh, for sure. Like a fire hose. Yeah, for sure. Just, just like through the wall of that nice new house. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. A um, couple other things I just want to bring up. Like, we haven't really talked about the plot of this one. I don't think we really need to. There, yeah. Everybody's seen this movie. I just want to bring up a couple other things that I forgot about that I think was really, considering this movie had the same budget as Iron Man. Like, this was before they were giving $200 million. Like, this was like $140 million, So it's not a small budget by any stretch of the imagination. But it's nowhere near the budgets that these movies are getting nowadays. But this had a zero gravity fight scene in it as well at the end of the movie that I completely forgot about. Oh, yeah. Like, I think that's really impressive. Like they did a lot. And like, what I also really liked is the montage sequence where it's just like, he takes down the first Hydra base, rescues the, the squad becomes captain America gets kid. It looks kind of like propaganda, propaganda. Propaganda is a good band, by the way. Yeah, no, you're right. Like it absolutely plays off like a propaganda film. And I forgot that he actually made movies in this. Like the Red Skull, he's like, "Oh, I've seen your movies." Like they made him like an Audie Murphy yeah. type guy. Yeah. Um, but that seems really effective because, like, we have to establish because they were already starting before this even came out. They were already starting to film Avengers, and like the Avengers sets up Agent Coulson as like this big fan, and so they had to establish that this guy was a legend, and everybody in modern days would know who he was. And so well, they, having, and they do that also. He has comic books of him in this movie. Exactly. So they have comic books. He has movies. But then they have what I like is to show that he really was a legend. And they could always I always thought they were going to go back and do have like flashback scenes and subsequent Captain America movies that they never did. But like they really could when they bring in like Wolverine, they could have flashbacks to him working with Wolverine at some point in World War Two. But we see him do like he gets a map of like all the Hydra bases and there's just a montage that's like five minutes or so of him just taking out all the different Hydra bases to show that he is a badass and a super yeah. soldier and became a real legend. And I think that's a really effective way of doing this movie without having to do crazy, crazy action sequences. Cause some of these bases were just him throwing a shield once right into the camera or him jumping off of a tank while throwing a grenade into the tank kind of thing. So it's like these really quick, like one little shots that established he took out like 12 bases and you didn't have to do these very elaborate heists or anything like that, but it still establishes a badass. I think it was a really effective way to manage the budget manage the runtime and also still establish him as a badass yeah so Joe Johnston getting it I, done I don't really have much to say obviously set up Winter Soldier with having Bucky die and you know you just mentioned like all the through lines that this movie set up like my, I'm looking at my notes I had one two three four five I, I had less than ten notes and most of them were before yeah, before the World War II portion like before he actually becomes Captain America I have a question yeah so at the end of the movie, Red Skull gets uh, like touches the Tesseract and gets, uh -huh. um, you know, what we thought at the time was disintegrated. But then he popped up in uh, Avengers Endgame and he was transported to uh, Vormir. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. And cursed to watch the watch over the mind played by the, the Walking Dead guy in those. Movies. Right. So now that we know that that happened to Red Skull, do you think that all the people that were shot <laughs> with the Tesseract weapons were transported somewhere? No, I don't think so, because. And this is this is like the one thing that we we know definitively, and we talked about this in some of the other Marvel episodes that we've done. But Kevin Feige didn't have full control until after Age of Ultron, so it didn't seem like they really had an idea of what they were trying to do with the Infinity Stones. Because in this and Avengers, they were using it as like a battery. 
So I think they really were just channeling channeling the energy before they decided to make it the the um, the space stone. Um, so I do think it was just like because they pulled energy off of it and then put it through like a laser. I do think the guns were just essentially lasers. Um, but yeah. I think because it's direct contact with the stone, it was its true power of transporting him through space. Yeah, I think it's vague enough that they could do that if they wanted to. Correct. They probably won't do anything with it. But I think it's hilarious that there is, you know, some the potential. Des- desolate planet out there where all of the fucking soldiers that have been shot with this are. What if- there's like two Nazi officers at the beginning and then a bunch of American soldiers. Right. And they're just like, what are we doing here? What if it's like, Loki, like the Loki little TVA devices are actually <laughs> just made from one of the... Th- like maybe each maybe little device there. is... Because they mention in that like they have a fuck ton of infinity stones. What if they're just a bunch of time stones that are not really getting erased? They're just a bunch of space stones sending them to other dimensions. <laughs> How funny would it be if next week we tune into Loki and, you know, Richard E. Grant and boastful Loki and crocodile Loki are all hanging out with Tom Hiddleston and they just walk by a bunch of like World War Two military <laughs> guys. Well, they would be like hella old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they like wear the same 90 year old Nazis and American soldiers. Uh, you know who I always forget is in this movie? Um and I just oh, Richard Armitage is in this movie. It's like the assassin who kills Doctor Ursine. Oh yeah, yeah. He's I great. always forget he's in this. I love that scene. Yeah, it's a great scene. Like him get, developing another thing. Him developing his powers and falls through the window because he's not used yeah. to running so fast. I love that. It's such a fantastic movie. I I could swim. Go get him. <laughs> love that kid. The little ginger kid. Even though he's a fucking ginger. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, we're, we're rambling about how great this movie is. I say, you know, obviously, if you're listening to this episode, you've probably seen this movie. You're probably an Avengers fan. But, like, I honestly think people should go back and watch these early movies. Not too long ago, I watched the first Iron Man movie. Absolutely holds up. I kind of want to go back and watch the first Thor movie because it's been a long time. I haven't seen the second Thor since it came out in theaters. Uh, I really want to go back through and rewatch some of this stuff because this movie was I had a blast watching this movie. Yeah, that might be fun to do for the podcast. We'll talk about some of these older MCU yeah. movies. Cool. Well, uh, that's it. I mean, go watch it. We didn't talk a lot about this movie because other than just praising it, but uh, go watch it. And uh, Alex, where yeah. can our listeners find you? Yeah, I'm on Instagram at Dyslexic, D-Y-S, Alex, I-C. I'm on Twitter at Polishi, P-U-L-I-S-C-I. And you can follow along with the movies I'm watching on Letterboxd, also at Polishi. And Letterboxd, if you're listening, endorse us, man. Yeah, we man. love using Letterboxd. It's pretty great. We praise it on the show every week. Makes it really easy to track for our segment. What have you been up to, bud? Uh, yeah. If you guys want to check out everything that's MDX Pods related, we're at mdxpods.com, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at MDX Pods. If you want to follow me on Letterboxd, I'm at MDX Mike, and uh, I use Letterboxd all the damn time. It's great. And uh, you got your finger up. What's up, man? And if you're following along with us every week, you've been enjoying the pod, and you have you know a dollar or so extra money burning a hole in your pocket at the end of the month. Maybe consider joining the Patreon. We do some uh, exclusive fun episodes there. We just covered Fast 9, and it uh, really helps us get these movies, rent them. Uh, we'd like to get into a studio to do these things at some point, um, get some more guests. It's helpful. It's very, very helpful. And like uh, please, she said, it's only a, a dollar a month. And you also get all these episodes um, at least two days early. I always upload these on Wednesday on Patreon, and then they come out for everybody else, all the schmucks on, on Fridays. The peasants. Yeah. But we appreciate you peasants, too. We're, we're, yeah, we're we a pretty uh, uh, liberal society, and we take care of you guys, too. We're all peasants, <laughs> really. All right. Thanks for listening. All right.